Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. We have gathered in the name of Jesus to worship Him and to celebrate Him and to be with one another and... Things are going to be a little bit different today. As you know, we've been talking about various practices we can engage in to encounter God in everyday life, or as the title of our series puts it, Encounter God on Light Rail in the course of going about our everyday uh, lives and the ordinariness of it, ways, various practices we can engage in, participate in, to prepare ourselves and to uh, open up a space within us to encounter God. And we have a bit of a different flow to this morning's service. Our singing and our praying and our proclaiming and our reflecting on God's Word is woven together, kind of all together, uh, in the hopes that we will have an experience here today that will help us be more present to God, if that's the way to say it. Or to say it another way, we've kind of put this together in more of an organic flow in the hopes that it will invite and encourage us to be engaged in the process, engaged in this idea of being present to the presence of God, being attentive to Him, and being attentive uh, to each other throughout this gathering. So the practice we are considering today is what we were planning to talk about last Sunday, but words of the people went so well, we just put it on the shelf And are going to talk about it today. And it is the practice of gathering together on Sunday mornings to worship God and to serve one another. And both of those are going to get talked about a lot today. This idea of coming together on Sunday morning in this place to worship God and to serve each other. And so the practice is simply to show up on Sundays. And this means to be here, obviously, literally to be here, but also It means to be here in a posture of expectancy, in a posture of readiness for what God will do. Gathering together on Sundays is an essential practice that forms each of us individually in our relationship with Jesus, and it helps form us communally as a church in our collective relationship with Jesus. But we have to show up. we got to be here, literally. And we need to be here in a certain posture. Now, Sunday isn't the only gathering where we learn to be together with Jesus, but I want to make the point often today that it is an essential gathering in our life with God. Since the beginning of Christianity, the church has regularly come together in this almost unbelievable understanding that when the people of God get together, God is present there with them in their midst. And he's doing significant and sometimes powerful and sometimes miraculous things when the people of God get together in the name and in the power of Jesus. Now, in the spirit of authenticity, it's good to acknowledge a couple things. We're living in a time where church attendance is on the decline and it's declining fast. It's declining, obviously, by those who claim no religious affiliation, but it's also declining by those who claim to be followers of Christ. We just happen to be living in a time where church attendance is on the decline. 
the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, those who have no religious affiliation, is actually the fastest growing religious group in our country. And all sorts of books and articles are being written about how a local church like Oak Hills must adapt to the realities of this post-Christian culture. And these are important things to consider and important things to discern, and we're doing our best to do that these days. In addition, in the spirit of authenticity, it's kind of weird to stand here and emphasize being here on Sundays. I feel like a dentist saying to people, you really should go to the dentist. Just kind of this goofy thing. It sounds self-serving, might be a way to put it. Sounds kind of parental. Sounds like the beginning of a guilt trip. So I don't want to go there. I want to avoid those vibes. But I also want to call us into a deeper engagement as a church family. There's a lot of mystery in this. There's a lot of unknown. I'm not pretending today to get all this or have all this figured out. But I do want to call us into a deeper engagement in the gatherings we have when we come together on Sundays. The Holy Spirit came upon the first church at Pentecost, and part of the life of the church involved gathering on a regular basis to worship God and serve and be with one another. And the Spirit of God was present in those gatherings. And powerful things happen. Miraculous things sometimes happen. And people saw God at work. They, they witnessed these amazing things that would happen, and they wanted to experience it for themselves. Now, last Sunday was the Super Bowl. And I know, for many of you, it didn't work out so well. And I was surprised by this, but I actually felt bad about that as that game unfolded. I really did. Uh, it's kind of maddening when you get so close and then it doesn't work out. So I feel for the 49er fans, except, and many of you don't know this guy, some of you do, except for Ted Hansen. I don't feel for Ted Hansen. Because Ted has taunted me throughout this year, and now he's got his payback, so good for him. But in the Super Bowl, high-paid, world-class athletes play a three-hour game, frequently interrupted by very expensive and occasionally funny advertisements. And during the game, legends are made. Unforgettable moments happen. They happened last Sunday. Careers are fulfilled. Some careers were fulfilled last Sunday. But I want us to watch a video in a second that I think is of an equally impressive football player. He's an inspiring football player. I absolutely love this guy. And he's a great example of this idea of showing up. So show the video. Ready? Yes. Fierce. Parker, how we doing? Yes. Austin, Austin, you go that way. I'm going that way. Oh, uh, JJ, JJ, you're going straight. Got that deal? Go get him, guys! (laughs) 
that you have heard or read recently or something that you've just carried with you from the past that you think is a good word to the rest of us. An encouraging word, perhaps a verse that challenges us, a word that you think would be good for the rest of us to hear. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you, a few of you to come forward to these microphones and we'll give a few minutes to have people come and simply read those verses that you feel would be good for us to hear. Uh, to the rest of us. So we'll get to that in just a second. In Acts chapter 2, which is the passage we read from earlier, the Holy Spirit came upon the first followers of Jesus in this incredible event known as Pentecost. And then Peter got up and he proclaimed the kingship of Jesus that had been established by his resurrection from the dead. And people, we are told, responded by the thousands. And Luke says, the church regularly gathered together to worship God, to pray, to reflect on God's word, to fellowship together, to eat, and various demonstrations or manifestations of God's presence and power occurred that confirmed the legitimacy of the church and the power of God at work through the church. Now, I'm certain, sure, that every single moment in the first church was not like that moment when you walk into Disneyland for the first time. Meaning, emotional highs were not and are not the litmus test of encountering God. It's really important we get this. Encountering God is not merely an emotional high. In fact, it's not contingent on there being an emotional high. But in our reading, it seems the first church approached their life with God together like Parker, with a readiness and an expectancy. The Bible says when we gather together in Jesus' name, that is, with him and for him, he's present with us in a unique way. It's an extraordinary claim. He's present with us when we gather in his name. He shows up, in other words. He is with us, and he is among us. So when the people of God come together in his name, attentive to his presence alert to his presence, awake to his presence, it is a -a one-of-a-kind social reality, unlike any other social reality we have in our lives. As Manuel just said, we are not gathering together here because we all think the same way politically. And we are not gathering here because we're all of the same race, or because we are of similar backgrounds, or because we have similar economic situations, or because we all like a particular team, or because we all like to ride bicycles for exercise. We gather together because we hold Jesus Christ in common. So he is the focus. He is the point. He is the reason we gather. We need his forgiveness. We need his grace. And we need to regularly remind each other that we need his forgiveness and grace. We desire to follow him. We desire to be his people, both individually and communally. And we desire to proclaim his greatness and his goodness. And we desire to encounter him so we come together. His presence with us and among us in these gatherings makes this a unique social reality. And because God is present with us when we gather in this place, it is essential to come in a posture of openness to Him. Open to what He wants to say to us. 
open to what He wants to do in us and open to what He wants to say and do to us and in us as a faith community. So this gathering is a place of potential transformation and change if we are open to the Spirit of God's presence. And yet an observation, granted a generalization, but an observation that I have uh, is that there is a hardened certainty that forms in many Christians. It goes something like this. The longer we follow Jesus and the more of the Bible we think we know, the less open to God we become, and we only have ears to hear what we already think and what we already believe. But it seems to me, from personal experience and from the many stories in the Bible, that it should be that the longer we follow Jesus and the more of the Bible we think we know, the more open to God we should become because we know, ultimately, that we don't really know. So we should have ears to hear what we don't currently think and what we don't currently believe. An openness to how God might be speaking to us in new ways. And so as opposed to this hardened certainty that sometimes comes with longevity in following Christ, we should come with this humble curiosity to what he's doing and what he's saying. An openness to what God might want to say to us on any given Sunday. How his spirit is going to take his word and maybe work it into us in a way it hasn't been worked in before. And perhaps reshape a paradigm we're in. Reshape how we think about God. Reshape how we think about faith or relationships or whatever. Again, from personal experience, I rarely sense God's full endorsement on everything I currently think about anything. I mean, it's, I, I rarely have a sense that God is really endorsing everything I think about Him, about the journey of faith, about marriage, about politics, about the meaning of Scripture. I've got it all dialed in. It's all laid out. And everything that I'm thinking and believing is square down the middle of what God thinks and what God wants me to think. I rarely have that sense. I often sense, however, God inviting me deeper into the mystery of who He is and of what life in Him is about, and deeper into the mystery of what the Scripture opens up in me. So it's really important for those of us who are followers of Christ to protect ourselves against the virus of hardened certainty and come together instead in a posture of openness to the Spirit of God, a willingness to hear from God, a willingness to follow Him into new territory. A willingness to explore and examine in humble curiosity. So I mentioned earlier to be thinking of a scripture passage, a verse, or a short passage that is meaningful to you that you think would be meaningful to the rest of us. There are Bibles in the chair near you. I should have mentioned that earlier, or maybe you have your own, or you have your phone, or whatever. But we're going to just give a few minutes here. We don't have a ton of time, but we're going to give a few minutes for whomever wants to, to come forward to one of these microphones and just simply read the verse or read the passage that you have that you think would be a good word for us to hear. Now, we probably don't have time to have someone read the entire book of Leviticus, 
uh, up here, so I would discourage you from something like that. But if you have a verse or you have a passage that is meaningful to you, we kind of just want to come and read the scripture without commenting on it. Just let it stand and trust that the Spirit of God will speak it to us however he chooses and however we need it. So just going to open it up and invite whomever would like to go to one of the microphones and read. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Psalm 139 verses 1 through um, 6 You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know where I, when I sit and when I rise. You perce- perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my lying down, you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. This is from Luke 4, 16 to 21. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Deuteronomy 30, uh, 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't know if this is from scripture or if it's just from one of the songs we sing, but It always keeps me grounded when things get tough. It is my joy to say, your will, your way. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Philippians 4.8 Hi. This passage came to mind when I gave my baby girl, Aaron Lee, up for adoption. And, and we know all things God works for the good and those who, who love him and have been called according to his purpose.
Thank you. This is from um, James chapter 1, starting with verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith um, develops and produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, that you may be mature mature, and complete, and, take, and lacking in, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and you, it will be given to you. It's from Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the rest of First James. Um, it's 6 through 8. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And I'll conclude with, after you conclude. Um, this, I have one from John 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And I'll conclude with John 15, starting in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Well, one more area I want to talk about as we think about this idea of showing up on Sundays and uh, briefly want to talk about reaching out and following his leading. The last four years I've had what I think are the most formative communal worship experiences of my entire life as a follower of Christ. And it's been this way not because the songs have been different or faster or slower. It's not because the services have been more emotive. Certainly not because the sermons have been better. Or for any other external reason. About four years ago, through a variety of means, some of my mentors helped me realize an unformed attitude I had about this Sunday gathering. And so again, there's a lot of trails we could run to explain this more fully, but I started coming into this room trying to pay closer attention to other people. Tried to pay closer attention to what God was up to in the room and in other people as best as I could discern it. Where he was stirring, 
might be an overall way to think of it. Trying to pay attention to who was crossing my path and I sensed that God was churning in me about that person. Trying to pay closer attention to how God was inviting me to move toward those that he was stirring something up in me about. And something awoke in me in this process. Something that really I have not had in my experience as a Christ follower in a worship gathering, in a regular worship gathering. Something awoke in me through this process. It's been simple and yet at times profound. It's been unspectacular, but many, many times transformative. There's not been a moment where it's been uh, weird or goofy. I'm sure there have been many times where I've sensed something and moved toward it and acted on it, and maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it was something else. But there's just been this quiet sense of God at work in me, compelling me at times to move toward other people and say something or do something. And it's happened in the midst of this gathering many, many times in the past four years. Paying attention to his invitation to join him in ministering to someone else. And really, most of that has not had anything to do with being up front. It's had to do with my posture before a service or my posture after a service, my attentiveness to God as he is stirring in someone else. Now, at times it has occurred during the service. Sometimes as I have been standing here and I don't know what all this is, but there have been times just looking around where I will see somebody and for whatever reason, some sort of heaviness will come up in me about them or I know something about their story and so when I see them I just have a sense that what we're talking about and what they're going through are aligned. There have been times when I'm standing here and looking around the room and see somebody and I know what they're going through and I might just start saying something that has nothing to do with what I was planning on saying but I know that they're in a space and for whatever reason in that moment feel like I, I should say something about it. But there's been this idea of what's God stirring up? Who is God stirring up in me? And then trying to move toward that person in in an attempt to follow the stirring and pay attention to it. And I have to say, I've encountered God in these encounters with other people in sometimes extraordinary ways. Just this idea that when we come together, we come together and the presence of God is with us and just simply this posture of, What's he up to and what's he calling me to here? See, one of the challenges that you face when you show up to one of these Sunday gatherings is the challenge to come as a participant and a pastor, not a spectator. What Peter calls the priesthood of believers. And this is incredibly counter-instinctual. It's very much against the grain of how we are conditioned to think about a gathering like this. Because we're conditioned to think about a gathering like this as you sit and look up here and we do stuff that you listen to and participate in a little bit and hopefully it does something to you. The challenge is to come in here ready to offer to God and offer to others, not primarily to receive. So we come into this room ready to minister to other people, not just be ministered to. So the challenge is to break out of the mindset that we show up in this room and we sit and we watch and we listen and then we get up 
and then we leave. Or put it this way, to think of pastoring as the vocation of all of God's people, not the profession of a select few. See, we watch things like the Academy Awards. Or we watch something like the Super Bowl. And we watch these things because we don't affect them. And we have no role to play in them. And so we really genuinely are spectators when we watch them. But we don't watch a Sunday gathering. Because we do affect this gathering. And we do have a role in this gathering. Every part of the body of Christ is essential as Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 12. So you are not a spectator at this gathering, or if you prefer, you are not sitting in the stands. Rather, you are actually on the field playing in the game. You have a role to play in this room every week you show up. Let me put it this way. There are people here who need you to be their pastor. They need you to speak a word of encouragement to them. They need you to go up to them and offer to pray for them because you know they're going through something. They need you to let them know that you're available to care for them or help them if they need it in whatever they're going through. A Sunday gathering is not something for us to watch and consume because we are each part of the body of Christ and we have a role and a voice as we gather together and offer ourselves to God and to one another. And I say this with a degree of confidence. The experience of this weekly worship gathering will change for you, perhaps profoundly change. When you pray a simple prayer while walking from the door of your car to the front door of this building, something like this, Jesus, help me notice who needs you today and give me the courage to follow your lead and reach out to them. This gathering, this experience will change perhaps profoundly when you get out of your car and before you get to this door, some sort of prayer or mindset of Jesus, who needs me to be you today in this building? See, every single Sunday, without any exceptions, This is a gathering of the broken, the hurting, the struggling, the lost, the lonely, the proud, the quiet, the loud, the shame-drenched, the guilt-ridden, the worried, the tired. It is a gathering of those who are entering into this space and they're looking for God. They're looking for some indication He sees them. And they're hoping for his help and for his guidance. And God's help and God's guidance often, and I would say usually, will come to them through another person like you. Who reaches out to them and demonstrates Jesus' love and care to someone who needs it. Every single week there are people who walk into this room and sit through these services and they wonder if God actually sees their situation and cares about it. And when you reach out to them in the smallest of ways, they leave here thinking, I guess God does see and he does care. And that encouragement came through you. So as God puts people on our hearts and in our thoughts And in our path, we move toward them and we minister to them confident 
that the Spirit of God is present with us and up to something in our midst. Last Sunday, Julie was walking out of this second service. And on the way, someone approached her very briefly and spoke really good words to her. And they just deeply encouraged her. And then she came home and she told me what they said. And that person was Julie's pastor last Sunday through those good words offered to her. Incredibly simple. But you know, it is astounding to realize the stuff in this room every single week. It's astounding to realize the secret struggles, the haunting thoughts, the worries, the fears, the wonderings, the doubts, the loneliness, the heartache, how the pain from the past is just pulsating right now in the present and it gets churned up for one reason or another and it's sitting in the room all around us and small acts of love and grace sometimes profoundly communicate the love of God to someone. But when we show up to this gathering, if our thoughts automatically focus on, I hope the music's good today and not too loud, or I hope Mike doesn't use yet another sports analogy. Or I hope I time my arrival so I miss all the singing. Or I hope I get something out of this. If our hearts drift in that direction, then we're absolutely missing the point. Because you're a pastor. Unpaid, but you're a pastor. In this congregation, you are a pastor and there are people who need you to be their pastor. And this is one of the gatherings where we pastor each other. You're a pastor, you're a participant, and you have a role every time we gather on a Sunday morning. So we're going to try something. It's not weird. It's not going to freak you out. It doesn't really require all that much. We're calling this Twister Prayer. The old game Twister, remember? Put a hand there, put a hand there, put a foot there. So I want to ask you to stand if you would. Again, don't run for the exit. It's not going to freak you out. But I'm struck by this reality that there's stuff in the room every single week. And so I want to ask you to close your eyes. And we're going to, in a moment, have an occasion to pray for each other. And here's how it's going to work. You recognize that around your area where you're sitting, there are other people. And I'd like you to put a hand on somebody around you. Or maybe one hand on one person, one on another. And if it's possible, it may not be, to put it on somebody who you didn't come with. And if you're really daring, again, in the spirit of Twister, put a foot on someone. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. (laughs) I want you just to recognize for a moment that the hands that you're touching, that's a sacred soul, a sacred person, someone who will live forever, someone who is created in the very image of the God of the universe. And some of the hands that you're touching, some of the people you're touching, 
are hurting right now. Maybe nobody knows. Here they are, surrounded by all these people, chuckling now and then, smiling now and then. But they may be really lonely. They may be hurting in ways that nobody knows. They may be in physical pain. They may be worried about the future. They may be haunted by the past. You just recognize that we gather together and wait a second. Eternal beings who will live forever, who were created in the image of God, are sitting all around us. So I'm going to give you a minute or two just to quietly pray for the people whose hands you are touching. And just ask God to be present to them, to bring healing, to be their comfort, to be their guide. Take a moment and do that. so grateful to be in your presence here to acknowledge in ways we can't understand or even explain that your spirit is with us hear our prayers for one another continue to shape us into people who love you and love each other peacemakers in this world People who have the Spirit of Christ and His character forming in us. And we continue to pray that we will be a congregation of people that embodies and incarnates a different way of being in this world. That the prayer Sean and Karen prayed would actually be answered in us in extraordinary ways as your power is unleashed. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.